Philadelphia Eagles to the Kansas City Chiefs. A former University of Alabama standout, once known as the Mighty Mouse, number 29, Mark McWillan. And also we have Mr. D.N.E., the man in the middle, from the Philadelphia Eagles, Mr. Byron Evans. We some hard hitters, we some hard hitters, put them up, tighten up, we some hard hitters. Mark McMillan, my man Byron Evans, he give you for peace in the tune and everybody leaving. Ain't nobody leaving, if he's pushing Phoenix, we're bringing the cutting edge. Boy, it's boy season, Phoenix are long, show them how it's done, we're on, for some LLSports.com. Welcome to Hard Hitting Radio with NFL veterans Mark McMillan with co-host Byron Evans. Get ready for sports talk with a dash of humor. Now, here's Mighty Mac and Byron Evans. Hey, hello everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of America Sports Network. This is Hard Hitting Radio. This is your co-host in the house, Mark McMillan, along with my man in the middle. D&E. Also, we got on lock our female version of the Hard Hitting Radios. Joe Sky, live on the scene. Oh, live in the scene. Also, got a special guest from the Philadelphia Eagles, Green Bay Packers, Arizona Cardinals, Super Bowl champion. He got a ring. Philadelphia legend, Seth Joyner. Mighty Mac, B&E. What's going on, Seth? You got it. You got it. Glad to have you out this morning, man. Pleasure, man. No doubt. No doubt. Finally got him on. I know a lot of people back in Philly are listening to the show. Uh, they've definitely been behind our show a lot, 100%, and I'm sure they're proud to have you on man it's, it's always a pleasure to have you on every time i like i said i'm in the presence of byron you know it's really exciting for me and now i got my man actually i played on the same side as you so i made your job a lot easier so it's also a ple- it's always a pleasure to have my man sephiro in the house hey man thank you mac i appreciate <laughs> it if it wasn't for you man nobody would know who seth joint is <laughs> hey he ain't lying about that but that's that's all good though everybody knows back in philadelphia actually all over the nfl who Seth Joyner is, a live show that we're doing here from Barcelona in Scottsdale. Appreciate everybody coming out. It's draft day, big game. A lot of guys are going to ready to make a lot of money in about another hour or two. So what, what, what do you have to say about that, Big Seth, going through the same process as some of these guys going through today? Well, man, you know, I tell my mom every year after I see what these guys are making now, I say, <laughs> couldn't y'all have waited 10, 10, 10 more years? <laughs> Instead of 64, 74 would have been good, huh, B? <laughs> hey, but that, that's just the way it happened, man. Hey, it it was all a blessing, man. You, uh, you, re- you really made it. Uh, you, you really did your thing, Seth, and, uh, you know, made my job a lot easier. I can say that. Hey, man, you know, um, I just wrote the foreword for a new book that's coming out in Philly. Um, and the, the guys wanted me to kind of reminisce about the days, man, and I, I tell you. I spent eight years in Philly, 13 in the league, you know, but those five years, even with the Super Bowl ring, doesn't even come close to um, what we had in Philly, man. That, that was a special time with a special group of guys, man, always be remembered. And that's something that, I like, you know, we all played with different teams. Byron actually spent his whole career in Philly, which is lucky, and uh, you know, I had not even heard of to this day. So that's why I tell a lot of people I played on several other teams, but the people in Philly just playing in front of the crowd, the vet and the fans, every, you know, the energy that they bring every Sunday and Monday night is you, you can't match it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they, they are the greatest fans in the world. I mean, you know, people talk about how over the top they can be sometimes and, <laughs> you know, the, the, the battles and the snowballs on, on Christmas <laughs> Eve and all that stuff. But, you know, what? They're, they're just passionate about, you know, their sports in Philadelphia. And, um, you, know, you got to love playing in the city. 
that has a group of fans that, that are the way that they are. Now they can talk bad about you. So if you talk, if somebody else, another fan coming there talking bad about you, they about to get a beat down. <laughs> and we, we see a lot of fights in the vets. So you know, some people actually get tossed out the stands in the vet. I tell you, it was exciting for me to just do uh, experience that, experiencing that to watch it. You know, I used to, I used to take time out in between TV timeouts. And just watch it. Who's gonna get? Who's gonna get the left hook to the jaw? Who's gonna get the left, <laughs> left hook to the chin? I used to watch it. That was that was big time. We got Joe Sky in the house also, who's uh, definitely keeping everything in order, set up everything today out here. Appreciate her coming out. She's gonna say a couple of things today. First time on the mic. She wasn't on the mic yesterday, but we definitely got her on a lot today. And you know, I actually heard a lot of slack about me not being on the mic yesterday. So make sure to get here on time, set everything up. Welcoming our guest, Seth. Thank you for being here. Ton of fans coming down. And uh, everybody's here to, to uh, support Hard Hitting Radio. We're down here in Barcelona, Scottsdale, Arizona. And we are they've been so kind to us in setting up this show for us, helping us with the uh, show setup. We have a lot of giveaways. We're going to have some of our sponsors in the house from Fat Daddy. I actually got a chance to go down there uh, yesterday evening and had my first plate of soul food. <laughs> I, I first? First. <laughs> wow. You got some catching up. To I sure do. Everybody, everybody was really helpful, and I've been home about four boxes of food just to try everything out. My family had some. It was delicious. We'll definitely be back. Jersey's down in Chandler, another sponsor of ours. He'll be here in the house today as well, Dennis, and we just wanted to say thank you to him as well. We've got a football um, autograph. Uh, number 27 is... It's not Martin Miller. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping Seth would answer that question. Number 27. 27. Yeah. I don't know a lot of words. Yeah. Quentin. Yeah, Quentin. If you're out there, Quentin, we got your ball. We got your ball. <laughs> <laughs> we, got your, we got your ball, man. But we're going to sign. We're going to sign over there. Hey, hey, I'm going to get Steph to sign, and I'm going to get Byron to sign, and I'm, I'm going to take that home and give it to my you know, give it to my son. Okay. No, we're raffling that off today. Okay, we got to raffle. I guess I got to get another For everybody ball, that so. comes out today, you'll be able to uh, come back with your draft day bracelet. This is Hard Hitting Radio's first uh, draft day. We'll be back again next year. It's an exciting. It's been an exciting week. All the uh, talk, uh, people I believe have already gotten signed this morning. I know that there's a lot of talk about Antoine Bolden, and uh, some, a few of my friends you know, said oh, how, how badly they would like for the Eagles to have him. And I just don't think it's going to happen because um, my thoughts are why would the Cardinals do that? Because there's going to be a chance that down the road that they're going to end up having to play, play their prize. So my, yeah. my pick would be, and this is, this is about as much as I probably know about <laughs> draft days and my first experience with this as well, It'd probably be that he's going to go to Baltimore. What are your thoughts on that? That's, that's a good choice right there. But we'll see. Like, I, I, you know, on draft day, a lot of stuff goes on, a lot of speculation about who's going who. You know, everybody knows that Stafford is going to be the first overall pick to the Detroit Lions. I don't know what to say about that pick. I guess they went for the best deal, try to rebuild as far as starting with the quarterback. But they have other areas of skill as well. And going 0-16. So they're going to need it this year. They're going to need a lot of help. They're going to need a lot of help. Well, I mean, that, that, that's the safe pick. That's the, the right pick. Um, you know, when you look at the board, you look at what they're in need of. Obviously, when you, um, obviously when you go 0 and 16, you got a lot of need. A lot. A lot of need. But the good thing is that, you know, the quarterback is a pivotal, pivotal position. A lot of people will say, you know, he's the most, most important position. Um, you know, in the game. Um, I would 
tend to agree to disagree, you know, from time to time. But if you're starting a, you know, when you start to rebuild a franchise, um, and obviously they're in rebuilding mode. They've been um, rebuilding for a long time, man. Yeah, but you know, I mean, when you go in 16, you can just <laughs> blow the whole thing up and start over. But, you know, but, you know, you've got to, if you got an opportunity to, to pick up a bona fide, um, quarterback, you know, they don't come around that often. You know, I played against a lot of great quarterbacks throughout my career, um, but not a whole lot of great ones. Um, so when you have an opportunity to pick up a guy like this, you know, to be the foundation of your, and face of your franchise, you have to take advantage of that. How do you think he feels? You know, of course, you know, I'm, he's a humble guy. A lot of people say a lot of great things about him. Played good football, coming down the stretch at the University of Georgia. Going into a situation, you actually get to learn a little bit behind Dante Culpepper, who had the one-year deal left on his contract. Going to Detroit, knowing it's, you know, it's a hockey town. The Pistons aren't, they're getting ready to get the boom from the, from the Cavaliers. And all of a sudden, you know, he's going to be like the poster boy for, for the city of Detroit. What do you think is going through his head at this moment, dude? It, it, it may be too much pressure for this young guy, man. Uh, just, you know, everything going on his shoulders, man. I mean, it's a rebuilding, you know, a, a, a car town and, you know, trying to rebuild. But, you know, it, they need more than just a quarterback at this. They need a motor, an engine, <laughs> a, a stimulus package. They need, they need to be rebuilt. Yeah, Mr. Ford just to go on the Subaru or something, man. I, I, I think at this time it may be too much for Mr. Stafford, man, just to kind of tear up on his shoulders, man. And, and me personally, I would, I would go into the trenches, man. They need somebody who's hungry, man, one of those big tackles, man, a big lineman. But, but you, you know, that's where you start off. Seth, 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 Seth kind of summed it up, man, you know, the quarterback of the future, man. But you, you got to start in the trenches, man. Super Bowls, I think, are won in the trenches, man. I, I agree 100%. Well, you know, I, I, I agree also, but there's a lot of other factors that come into this. You know, if they pass on him, he goes on to have a fabulous career. You know, they will always have to live down the fact that they passed on maybe one of the best quarterbacks to play in the NFL. Now, to me, the, the, the draft is nothing more than a crap sheet anyway because I think the statistics say that something like 40% of all first-rounders wind up being, well, number ones wind up being bust anyway. So there's, there's you know, there's no foolproof um, solution, you know, when you go into a draft because you, you can't set a guy open and, and find out what's in his heart. <laughs> you can't tell the guy over and find out, you know, how his mind's going to operate, how he's going to work. And if a young quarterback like this, if you bring him in, bring him in and you insert him in the starting lineup right away, uh, what you're saying is that he's an impact player. When you take him as a number one pick, you're saying that he's an impact player. Now, can he be that guy? You know, did he get beat up all next year and lose his confidence? Um, you know, become gun shy in the pocket? things of that nature. Obviously, you know, like we said, they need a lot of things around. They need an offensive line. They need a consistent running game for him to be the best that he could be. But this is a safe pick. This is the pick they have to make. So, you know, they could have went ahead and took Jason Smith. You know, he's probably going to be, you know, a, a stellar tackle in the NFL for a long time. But that guy can't produce any touchdowns for you. He can't produce any um, any points on the board. So when you look at you look at how the NFL operates nowadays, it's all about offense and how you can produce and put points on the board. They have no other choice but to get that to make the pick. Okay, now the Rams are on the clock. They lost Orlando Pace. That's a big, that's a big blow. That's a big loss. So, you know, they got the big tackle, Smith, who's on the, you know, who's on the board. And we talked about the young guy from Alabama who kind of ate his way out of the first couple of picks. 
uh, talk about what he did, but that's a different story. But the Rams are on the clock, so who, you know, do you think they go tackle? Do you think they go wide receiver? They lost Tory Holt. Um, there's a lot of different ways they can go. I think so. You know, uh, it, 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 it's a good pick for them, uh, you know, um, to, to screw up their running game, to get their running game back to where it needs to be, man. Uh, you know, there's no more uh, greatest show on earth, man, down there. The greatest show on turf down there. So they need to they need to establish that running game and, and to, uh, to, to 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 make an impact up front, man. This, this would be a good pick pick for the Rams. Stephen Jackson needs some money to open the holes up for him. Like I said, with the loss of Tory Holt, which is huge for them. Uh, you know, he was a go-to guy. He had a down year last year, but. You know, if they can solidify somebody that can protect the quarterback, open up some holes for Jackson, uh, who had a down year as well. Um, I feel like when these guys start complaining about their money, I feel like they always have a bad year next year. I think he needs a haircut, man. First of all, if he got a haircut, <laughs> man, he'll do, he'll do pretty well, man. That's one thing, man. Kind of, kind of weighed him down a little bit. So, you know, we're here in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of people are excited about the draft for the, for the Arizona Cardinals. And Dali had a great year last year. A couple of seconds, couple of minutes away from Winning the Super Bowl title, a lot of buzz going about Quan. Where is he going? Is he going to stay? Um, actually, I'm getting kind of tired about you know where is he going? What is he going to do? That's another thing we talked about yesterday on our show. Uh, as far as when we came up, you know, there was no talk about guys in the locker room going upstairs asking for any money. It was like get out there on the practice field and do what you do and earn your money on the field. Well, you know, the dynamics have changed in so many different ways in the game now. Um, you know, before Larry came, you know, Quan was their guy. Right. You know, and Larry has an explosive year. Um, you know, the year before last, you know, he played extremely well. Contract is up. He gets a huge contract. Um, and then he comes back this year and just completely blows up. Um, you guys know this as well as I know. In order to play, play this game, you know, you have to have a certain level of confidence and you have to, you know, almost play with a certain cockiness about you. You know, ego coming to into the picture, and that's a huge thing. When you talk about Larry Fitzgerald making on average $10, $10 million a year, and Anquan being the guy here for all the years that he was here before Larry got here, um, obviously, you know, the the ego gets in the way. Now, I don't care where Anquan goes, he's never going to get $10 million. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, he's, he's, he's a possessive receiver um, that can beat you deep, you know, if you sleep on him. But he doesn't bring all all the intangibles to the table that Larry does, and that's not a knock on him. That's just the fact, you know. So even if the Cardinals had, were talking about, you know, restructuring his deal and giving him a better deal, he'd never see Larry Fitzgerald money. They can't afford to have two wide receivers, you know, making that kind of money and a quarterback making, um, you know, twelve almost twelve million dollars a year as well. Um, you know, my thing is, as far as all the complaining, it's like, you know, you sign a contract, live up to it. You know, when you sign on a dotted line, basically you're saying that, you know what, this is what I, I've agreed to play for. You know, come hell or high water. If the team comes to you and they say, you know, you've outperformed the contract, that's one thing. But contractually, you have no grounds to say, you know, hey, I want more money. You know, no matter what you do on the field, because you've already been paid, you know, to do that job, you know, from a contractual standpoint. So I don't look at Antoine to go anywhere. You know, I, he's got two more years left on his deal. Um, you know, they came close to, you know, pulling off, you know, something no one ever even dreamed that they would do last year. All the pieces are still in place. Um, 
Where's he gonna be? Sit out and not take that money, dude? I don't think Drop so. Drop the ball. I, I don't. I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. But 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 I think he does have a leg to stand on there. You know, with the, with the fact that the matter is that if you do do what the contract states and go beyond that, I think he should be compensated. And and you know, it's enough money. It's enough money to go around. I mean, they're only pay, paying high tower this certain amount of money, and other guys who performing will want certain type of money. So I, I mean. He's the heart and soul of this. He's the heart and soul of the team, man. There's nobody tougher than him, man. There's nobody that, that works harder than Anquan Bolden. And, and, you know, I know Fitzgerald had a, a, a explosive year and, and he's been doing things only you can do in a match game. But, but, uh, Anquan yeah, Bolden, man. An, Anquan Bolden, man. He's, uh, you know, my, my hat goes off to Anquan Bolden. He's well, a, he's a linebacker, man, playing wide receiver. Man. I, I, I agree, B, but, you know, I'll pose this question yeah. to you. I think what the Cardinals are doing, they're trying to figure out whether they can win with him or win without him. Right. And they, and they, and they've proven that they can win without him. That makes him extended. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, man, you, you, you gotta have an 81. <laughs> I mean, the Jets, the Jets, the Jets could be up there, but you gotta have another 81 in there. Anquan Bowden. Yeah. Now so he's, he's actually from Miami, correct? Correct. Now he played here in Arizona. Correct. Do you think it's gonna affect him should he be signed, uh, into Baltimore? The weather is so different. Does, um, that, does that affect a player? I, he can buy a fur coat with all the money he'll get. And gloves. The yeah, weather. Yeah, yeah. And gloves. Yeah, he, I mean, he, well, you brought the bee out of the desert and brought him up, <laughs> brought him up to the frozen tundra in Philly, yeah, boy. Yeah. He, he performed. He did. Didn't miss a beat. Without the contract, though. I think that's still <laughs> over. Hey, Mike, that's, that's a whole other show, though. That's right. But, you know, we had, like I said, we had a good time. It's actually a pleasure. Uh, we're here in Scottsdale, Arizona, Barcelona's. Got my man in the middle, Byron Evans. Also, along with us, Joe Sky and Seth Joyner is joining us on today's show, which is a pleasure. Uh, we tried to get him on a couple of months ago, but he was uh, doing a reality TV show with Charles Barkley. Reality? Yeah, he was on that reality show. I've seen that the other day. I was sitting down watching it. I was like, what is, what, what is he doing? I wasn't talking about Joe Swing. I was talking about Chuck Swing. I know you didn't talk about mine. That's the way Chuck got. I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> You don't need Chuck. Big up to Chuck. You know, Chuck is always cool. Uh, he always responds back to the messages and everything. So, like I say, it's a pleasure to have Seth here on draft day. Right now, the St. Louis Rams are on the clock. We're talking about who they to pick. Uh, the Cardinals, you know, they got a couple of holes that they need to fill as well. If Quan leaves, I think Antoine um, probably going to stay, like you said. With Edwin James gone, you know, Hightower, can he carry the load? Will they... Uh, will Beanie Wells be available at Ohio State? Um, that, that could be somebody that can probably drop down in, in their lap uh, that they can possibly pick. So it, it's, it's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to go on before the draft. Like right now, I'm sure everybody's on their Blackberries and the GMs are, are going at it with uh, different teams trying to make things happen. But one guy is already paid, that's Matthew Stafford. Who is the first pick for the Detroit Lions? So I'm sure he's excited about that. Well, they signed Tony Gonzalez, too, to the Falcons, right? That's another big move that went on. Uh, Tony Gonzalez, I'm actually happy for him. Uh, there's no more he can possibly do and make happen in Kansas City than what he's already done. Uh, to go down the ladder, we talked about that yesterday, me and B. Uh, with, the, with those young guys, uh, they made the playoffs. Um, like you said, it was just a lack of experience uh, that they couldn't pull off a victory here in uh, Arizona against the Cardinals. There's been a lot of talk that they're going to have a pretty fierce team this year with him on there. They, I'm looking for them to, to take another step. Uh, I don't think they're a Super Bowl team just yet. But uh, from one of some of the stuff that they went through, you know, with the with the Michael Vick situation, mm-hmm. a lot of people kind of gave up on the Atlanta Falcons, and you know, he went in there and cleaned house. Uh, he got rid of all those knuckleheads. Uh, Dante Hall, who's you know one of the best players, uh, I figure, you know, coming out 
uh, as a cornerback, but he had a little bit too much prime time beyond, and he wasn't putting up the numbers, and, you know, he was out there. You can't, you can't be cursing out the coach. But, but that's the owner, you know, Arthur Blanks, man, you know, Mr. Mr. Blanks. I call him Mr. Blanks. That's yeah, what I'm right, right, Mr. Mr. That's Blanks. Right. He, I mean, he's doing a phenomenal job down there, man, in, in Atlanta, man. And like you said, clean house, man, and bringing in all the right people, man. Going out on the limb and getting this guy, going, getting these coaches and coaches leaving. But, you know, that's, that's all the credit goes to Mr. Blanks, man. You know, you know, Mr. Blanks is doing a phenomenal job, a heck of a job. And, you know, Atlanta is up on the uprising, man, you know. Young guys, like I said, they're performing. So. And hungry. You know, it's something about being hungry, man. When you, you know, those, those guys have been there for so long, it's got comfortable, man, and, you know, kind of got stagnated a little bit. That's cool. Yeah. fast. But, but those hungry guys, guys, and, and you can win with guys that are hungry. We just couldn't get it done. We were all hungry. Back in the we were real hungry. I think we were, we were salivating every time, you know, we used to feel. And, like I said, every time, like I said, it's always a pleasure, you know, being, being on the stage. Of a Byron, but you know, having Steph join in the house also. Uh, guys that I grew up watching uh, back in my dorm room, you know, coming out of college and then actually getting a chance to uh, see these guys up in person, actually be, you know, crack the lineup. And, you know, me and Byron have our stories, uh, you know, have a couple of stories with Steph. Some of the stuff I can't say on the radio. Some, yeah, of, the things yeah, that, some of the things that he told me when I first got my, first got my, you know, I first got in the game against San Francisco, uh, you know, first guy, you know, went up against Jerry Rice and, you know, some of the things that he said. You know, he's like, oh, this is fresh meat. It's going down. But not knowing my mentality and, and some of the guys that I have to practice with every day on a, on a daily basis. And, you know, every time Seth looked to his left, I was out there. So I knew I had to perform. And if I didn't perform, Byron was there with his hands out. So and we always had my man Dirty Waters. We always got to give him a shout, you know, looking down on it. So uh, it, it was a great situation we had, man. It was a lot of fun playing with you guys. You know, back in Philadelphia, like I said, we, you know, anytime time we go to Philadelphia, you know, they always look, at for, look out for us. And, you know, just being on the same field uh, with you guys is always a pleasure. Well, you, if you go back to your point about us being being hungry, um, you're right, we were hungry. But I think that in order to win a championship, I mean, so many things have to fall into place. You know, when offensively, when we were ready, defensively, we weren't quite there. When we were there defensively, then Randall got there. You know, I mean, it just always seemed like um, the timing was off, you know, and then when it really felt like, you know, we might take the step to the next level, then Buddy was gone. Then we had to deal with the whole Rich Pocate shit. Who? You know, we, we couldn't even say his last name yesterday. We just called him Rich. You know, and, 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 you know, people don't realize, you know, how tough it is, you know, to win a championship because you've got all of those intangibles to deal with along with the fact that your key players have to remain healthy for an entire season throughout the whole process because, you can be, you know, on the path to a Super Bowl and lose one piece in the puzzle, and that could be the difference between you getting there and not getting there. Now, you know, speaking of the Super Bowl, you did win a Super Bowl champion, hit ring with the Denver Broncos. Uh, talking about some of those pieces that was missing, what was it like on the road, you know, going through the playoffs and actually, you know, getting to the pinnacle piece of winning that ring? Well, lucky, lucky for you know us and my year in Denver, you know, we went 14 and two, had home field throughout, so. You know, we didn't really have to, um, we didn't have to really travel at all, you know, throughout the playoffs. But, you know, that was a team, um, that was put together, you know, perfect, you know, if you will. Like, they were solid on special teams across the board. Um, you know, defensively, they weren't stellar. But then again, you know, when you're on a high-powered offense, it picks up almost 30 points a game. It's a hell, hell of a lot easier, you know, to, to, to play defense. 
and then just, you know, offensively, they were just, you know, phenomenal. You know, Ed McCaffrey, uh, Rod Smith, Shannon Sharp, Terrell Davis. I mean, they just, John Elway, and our offensive line, you know, no one can really figure out, you know, how to, you know, how to get off blocks. You know, they're masters at cuts, masters at holding. And, um, you know, their running game was just phenomenal. Putting grease on their jerseys. <laughs> hey, but, but Seth, yeah. you, I think you, uh, the, the owner, the owner keeping those guys together. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. and if you don't have an owner that, that want to spend, uh, $3.50, man, <laughs> you're not going to win no matter who you got we'll on the team. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. You can't, you can't throw them in your windows out there like no, that. No, 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 Indian, no, Indian, But you gotta, you gotta pay the money, man. You gotta keep the players together, man. And the owner, man, you, you gotta, you gotta say, this, these are the, these are the, this are, these are the guys we're gonna keep. The young, the up and coming, we're gonna sign them. You know, we're not gonna let a Hall of Famer get away. We'll never let that, never let that happen. Well, you know, you're, you're absolutely right because when, that year, for me in Denver was really, you know, well, my last two years. I had had a chance to go to Green Bay, Green Bay and play in Super Bowl with them the year before, and, you know, we lost that Super Bowl. But to actually be around an organization that got it, you know, not only from a management standpoint, but also from the standpoint of, you know, ownership. You know, Pat Bowling is a guy that, you know, when I went to Denver, you know, you could be working out, you know, after practice and look over and he'd be on a bike next to you. He was always around, always accessible, always had conversations with you. You know, and you could just tell he was committed to winning. He was committed to doing whatever was necessary um, to win and not just win games, but win championships, you know. And, they, and that's, that's what it was all about. You know, they spared no expense as far as the things that, were, that, that had to be had to players, you know, to equipment. You know, we had the best of everything. You don't have to ask You know, in Philly, we had to ask the extra stock. <laughs> well, man, he wouldn't even go in. It was tight in Philly, man. man they tell you anything you wanted. You, hey, man, I need, I need a jersey, you know, for my carry. Oh, no problem. Come on back here. You know, we got you. We need a helmet. No, we ain't talking about the after the season helmet. <laughs> you got to get them beat up all year. They want, you pay, they want you to pay $100 for it. You know, no. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that shows still the player that, you know, an organization is really committed, you know, to winning. And um, because everyone's in it together from the top down. And when that message is sent, you know, you're going to have success. But the minute that the players feel like, you know, that there's a separation, that there's a divide, a wall, uh, you know, that creates an animosity because some things are going to happen contractually as far as the players are concerned. And they're just not going to see that the organization is committed to winning. You know, you got to go out and run every offseason, lift every offseason, do all the things you have to do. So you know what, the, the organization has got to be just as committed as you are, even though, you know, you work for them. You know, it's, it's got to be a sign there. you got to see that they want to win just as much as you want to win. That, 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 that does play big dividends, man, really big dividends. Man, you could also always hear about the owners who wanted to, wanted to win, who had a commitment to win, to winning, man, and not just being, being happy with getting to the playoffs, man, but winning the Super Bowl, man. And, and that's something that, that we didn't have at the time, man. And, you know, uh, Jeffrey Lurie, I think he is committed to it. I think he's uh, putting forth his best effort, man, going out, spending the money, man. And, and did you see those chairs, man? Did you, did you see those chairs, though? All those chairs that these guys have. You know, we used to have to kind of borrow chairs. A chair. A chair, man. Everybody, Everybody has their I personal chair. I can take my chair. I can even sit out. I had to sit out on the carpet. 
You're a rookie, man. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, right. So, well, I'm all grown up now, man. I'm a, I'm a little older, so I always tell some of the stories that we have to, you know, bring the chicken and the donuts to you guys. And half the time I was half half late. Me and my man Snyder, uh, we had about one suit for 16 weeks. That's why we were wearing our, our crisscross pants. So we can we can even afford a suit, man. But guys on the defense that I played with, they didn't care. As long as their chicken was there and it was hot. <laughs> they didn't care if I made the plane or not. They just wanted to eat. Hey, Matt, <laughs> Matt, you, you act like you went through something that nobody else went through. What do you think it was like for me, my, my rookie year? I don't know. If I'm sure it was probably a little bit worse. Uh, to touch on that, you know, something like we were talking about the draft and some of the things that you went through as a player coming out of Texas El Paso, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you actually were, were cut from the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of people just see that the after, uh, they see the rings, they see the career as far as being a player, but before all that happened, uh, could you explain some of the process that you had to go through as far as being released before Seth Garner even hit on the team? Well, I mean, I take you all the way back going into, you know, going into my, my senior year. Um, I was probably ranked in the top five or six linebackers in the country. Going to UCAP didn't help one bit. <laughs> you know, because we were... You we got good chips and salsa down there, right? That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> you had a chance to turn it all around, on that. Yeah, Put your stamp on it. Well, you know, a lot of times, you know, when I, when I talk to young guys now, I always talk to them about opportunities. Because uh, I can remember coming into training camp as an eighth-round pick. You know, I wasn't, wasn't even supposed to make the team. I mean, we probably had three other linebackers that were drafted in front of me on top of the um, the veterans that were already there. And, and honestly, throughout all preseason, I probably played five downs, <laughs> five plays in my natural position, you know. And I tell people all the time how important it is, you know, to have mentors and guys that, you know, support you. You know, he was talking, talking with G. Cobb one day in, in the locker room, and G. said, hey, man, you know, um, you know, you don't really think you're going to make the team as a linebacker, do you? You said that too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm like, well, what do you mean? I was like, he was like, do the numbers, man. <laughs> you know, we ain't keeping no more than six, seven linebackers. I said, he said, but you know what? There's going to be five spots on this team. Five spots on this team, the special team. And from that point on, it changed my whole dynamic. Now, that, that, didn't, that didn't stop me from continuing to prepare every week like I was going to play. Um, but that, that's where my focus went, you know. And although I got released, you know, the first two games of my rookie year, um, you know, I, I knew I'd be coming back. I didn't know I'd be sitting at home for two weeks, but I knew I'd be coming back. You know, that's, you know, Buddy being a man of his word, that's what he told me. Um, so when I came back, it was just, you know, okay, I'm back now. And, and really, that's probably the best thing that could have happened to me because that shifted my whole mindset completely, you know. Because being away from him and having to watch him play Chicago and Redskins, the Redskins those first two games in my rookie year on TV, you know, after going through, you know, six, seven weeks of training camp with these guys and not being out there, um, I was frustrated, you know, I was hurt. But when I, I made a decision that when I went back, that I wouldn't be leaving again. That if I, if I left, it wouldn't be because of what I didn't do or, or not being prepared. You know, so when I went back, you know, everything was just, I was 100% focused, and, you know, as fate would have it, you know, by the seventh game of my rookie season, all the linebackers got hurt, <laughs> all of them, you know. So, you know, Buddy called me in one day, he's like, listen, starting you this week to learn your, you know, how he said it, you know, learn your stuff, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he said stuff, though. <laughs> so he said, you know, learn, make, make sure, you, make sure you, you know your damn Stuff, you know, <laughs> so I mean, but I've been preparing, you know, each and every week. I watch film, 
study my game plan, just like I was playing. So that's why I tell guys all the time, you know, the worst thing that can happen is an opportunity to present yourself and you're not prepared for it. So you have to always prepare each and every week. You always have to prepare, you know, to, to meet those opportunities when they present themselves because you never know. The eighth round pick, that opportunity to present yourself, if I hadn't been prepared, you know, when I had, had the chance to step in as a starter, that opportunity may never have presented itself again. And that's one thing I can actually say, Seth, that I, I took from you about studying, man, studying the playbook and studying the playbook and studying the playbook. Because being the middle linebacker, man. I had to. <laughs> yeah, I had to. <laughs> even when I didn't want to. Choice. <laughs> even when I didn't want to, man. Even when it was calling me to not to, not, not to study, I still had to study. And, and I picked that up from you, Seth, man. And, you know, it, it, it's something that prolonged my career, man, tremendously, man, to, to, be, a, to be a student at the game. Well, you know, I don't think, you know, when people think of athletes, and specifically football players, you know, I, I hear people say all the time, well, you know, he's not the brightest, you know, he's not the, the brightest bulb in the chandelier. Like, let me tell you something. There is no way you can play, you know, specifically certain positions, you know, linebacker, safety, cornerback, you know. Well, we just took you out there and tell you the man <laughs> up, you know. But, I mean, you, you, you have to have some intelligence about you. In order to in order to play today's game, because even more so now, you know, than than be back when we played, because the game is so specialized now. You know, when teams used to come out in three or four wide receiver sets, we didn't go nickel, we didn't go dime, but it was like you know, get your ass out there and come, <laughs> you know. So and and we were prepared in that way to do it. But there's there's so many different packages, you know, and there's so much strategy that goes on in the game now. The guys, they have to have the ability to, to think on the run, um, to be able to react to what they see and react to what the calls are. You know, I mean, Beacon attested this. I mean, all of our defenses were based on um, offensive sets. So when the team came out in one set, they shift to another. We changed defense. They shift to another. We changed defense. They short motion. We changed defense. He reset. They sent a guy in motion across. We changed to another. You tell me. That you can be unintelligent and play and play in the NFL. It's, it's just not possible. Right, it's right. not possible. But that's why, you know, being prepared is even that much more important. You know, first learn your defense, second and learn it in totality what everyone is doing, and then learn your adjustment. See, because you're gonna have to make fast decisions. I tell you, I grew a whole lot of hair, man, trying to make all those calls, man. <laughs> a whole lot of hair, very fast, man. Hey, you know, you got thrown, you got thrust into the role real quick, you know. And um, it was clear, you know, it, it, when when Buddy made that pick, you know, everyone knew what that pick meant. You know, we needed a heck of a lot more athleticism at that position. But the question would always be, you know, would he be able to grasp the defense and, and, and run the defense the way the defense, you know, was supposed to be run, without a doubt. You know, he came to the time, you know. With, with shiny colors now. You think I'd be able to write a uh, Super Bowl ring every every now and then? <laughs> hey, man, I, I, I personally bring the drop it off. Okay, <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually looking at the clock and say we're about an hour and 15 minutes away from the draft. Everybody's been waiting for this. And I just have, I have two questions. Um, you know, number one, what, what would you, what would you gentlemen say would be the biggest controversy right now from, from, from one o'clock? Number two, what position do you feel that the Eagles are in because there's a lot of talk, there's a lot of money on the table, and, and where do you think that they're going to go with this? Oh, I know there's a lot of, lot of stuff that's going to be going on now, you know, with Stafford going to Detroit. Uh, now the speculation falls on to Mark Sanchez. 
A lot of people have been talking about him. I uh, was talking about the young guy out of Wake Forest, uh, Curry. But now, you know, you have Mark Sanchez out there who was possibly in the trade rumors. I think he'll be one of the things that everybody's going to be talking about after uh, Stafford gets picked. I think the, the, the thing to watch is, which, which always intrigues me, is the team will lock in on a guy that they say, okay, that's my guy. And he might not be in position, but they'll reach and pass over, you know, some, some better players in everyone else's opinion to get that guy that they feel like they need. Now, there's two schools of thoughts when you talk about, you know, the draft. You either draft the need or you draft the best player. And my opinion is, you know, if you're building the team, then you always take the best player. If you're a player two away, then you go get the player that you need to fill that, that need that you have. But a lot of organizations will never draft that way, you know. To be able to save space, it's always, well, you know, like Detroit did it all those years, you know, drafting all those wide receivers, number one. Oh, right. we took the best player available. Well, right. you, you need a whole bunch of players. <laughs> and they didn't put together a good team. No, no. no. So, I mean, if, you know, if you're building, I can see you taking, you know, um, a wide receiver in the first round, maybe two years, but three years in a row? I mean, you're going to take three wide receivers in the first round, you don't have anybody to throw it to them, or you stupid <laughs> or what? Where do you think the Cardinals will stand this year with um, being able to keep, uh, they're going to keep Kurt Warner, Fitzgerald's going to be there again? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think they have all the pieces in place. The problem for them this year is going to be obviously a much more um, tough schedule. Um, they won't be flying on the radar anymore. Right. Um, everyone knows that they're not staying more Cardinals. My biggest, my biggest concern is the fact that, you know, they accomplish what they accomplish, and then they let the offensive coordinator get get away and let the defensive coordinator get away. Right. That was, that was good. And, 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 and to me, you know, if I'm the owner of this football team, as soon as we wrap up the division, I lock those guys in right away. Because mm-hmm. you just never know what, what's going to happen when you get into the playoffs. And obviously, if you can turn around the Cardinals, you can turn around the bad news back. I'm agree with you there. Not the Lions, though. The Lions. Not the Lions. Maybe the Bears. Maybe they need to get the bow tie like Bidwell. Maybe they need to go out and get get a person a couple of bow ties like Bidwell. But you put your players in a position, though. You know, offensively, they're not going to change much because that's, you know, Ken Williams has punched baby. But defensively, you know, Clancy Pendergast is gone now. You know, have they brought in someone that's going to implement the same style of defense? You know, obviously not because, you know, the, everybody, everyone's got their own team. They're going to want to run their own thing. Now you put the defense in a position where they were the weakest link on the football team, and you can say what you want, but offensively, you know, that's what fixed them to where they got to last year. Right. They, that, that team is not built on defensive strength. But now you bring in a whole new a defense coordinator that's got to implement a whole new system, and you put these guys in a position where they have to learn again. Why do that when you're saying that the Texans is something big already? That's the Cardinals. The old Cardinals. It yeah. took them 42 years to figure it out. Now they got to figure and it out again. One, one year and to mess uh, it up. And one year to mess it up again. <laughs> so we'll see, we'll see if they can figure it out. So hopefully, they, uh, you know, they're on the clock. There's a lot of other teams that's on the clock. Uh, you got the Rams that's on the clock. The Chiefs are on the clock. Uh, they, you know, they made the big offseason move. They're scrapping the quarterback from uh, New England. They grabbed the, um, the linebacker, Brable, from New England as well. But uh, they let Tony Gonzalez go. Seattle's on the clock. You know, they can use a quarterback to back up. Uh, Hasselback is getting a little older, uh, who hasn't really played up to his potential lately because of injuries. You know, I, 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 I've been reading that, and people have been talking about that all along. You know, Spencer Wallace played well for them last year, man. Right. 
I mean, I, I don't, I don't understand. You know, I'm sure if Mike Holmgren was still at the helm of that, you know, we wouldn't be having these conversations. You know, all the um, prognosticators are saying that, you know, hey, they need to groom someone to come in and, and you know, to have to back when he steps up. It's Terrence Wallace plays yeah. good football. Man. Play good. I mean, if they if they can produce a running game like they had, you know, when Sean Alexander was at was at his peak and defensively, you know, if they can. Can get a defensive line. They just don't have no one to rush the pass, and they don't have no defensive line. You know, I think Senator Wallace is more than adequate to get the job done. So if you know if, if Seattle do decide, you know Jim Moore is now the coach down there in Seattle. Oh, uh, everybody knows he's the coach down there in Atlanta. Oh, he, he was my coordinator down in New Orleans. Oh, and, uh, I ain't gonna put him on the blast like that. But every time I do try to give him a call, he don't return my call. So <laughs> hopefully he don't mess it up. It's already rainy and cloudy down there in Seattle. I hope he don't go down there and mess it up. Let me tell you a story about Jim Moore. <laughs> man. You know, when I was working at the NFL Network, you know we used to have. You know how they have the coach and player call in um, during the show. And, um, you know, he was the coach of the 49ers at that time, wasn't he? Yeah, he was my defensive. Yeah, he was the coordinator for, for the 49ers. I was there for about a good now, three where was, where was he? Where was he at? Where, where was his other head, head coaching stand? That was his only oh, head coaching Atlanta. 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 So we, we had him come on every once in a while and we get to talking, you know. I'm, I'm, you know, pretty defensive-minded, you know, so I like to ask the defensive questions, and the defense is just getting handled, you know. And every time I ask him about it, you know, he take it personal, man. I mean, getting really, got butt hurt, really been out there. <laughs> I mean, one day he just, like, snapped at me on air, man. Who you did? Yeah. Did the old Sephiro come out? No. I couldn't tell you. I was going to say, I know the old stuff. I know the old stuff. I couldn't even put his hands on him. I'm like, man, you know what? That's your job. You're <laughs> defense. <laughs> hey, but, but in this draft, man, there's a lot of good defensive players. I think there's a, a lot of good players in this draft, man, for each team, man, to take, man. Mm-hmm. Each team to take, man. To fit their, to fit their needs. Well, my question always is, are they making the picks on needs? Are they making picks on the best available, um, and all the all the head coaches, the GM, and all the people you know that are involved are they all on the same page? You know, it seems to me the teams that, that really make solid picks to come out, you know, smelling like a rose after every draft are the teams that have some kind of continuity as far as the as far as management is concerned. You know, not one guy over here in scouting and, and, the, and the head coach and the, and the owner wants, you know, separate players. They all come to a consensus. Um, but this is the guy that we feel like, you know, we're going to pick him in the first round, specifically in the first 10 picks. Because in my opinion, if you're a top 10 pick, especially from 1 to 5, then you're, what you're saying is that this guy is an impact player and he's going to come in and be able to play right away, you know, right away. I think I think it would be no need for anybody to really move up because all the all the players, man, there's really no clear cut cut favorite player, man. All these guys can really play, man, and and, and that's that's the beauty about this draft this year, man. The beauty about it, like I said, you know, when you when you play the game and you actually been in the trenches, you know some of the guys that they draft before you that that they come, you know, bring in to try to replace you. And then you look at it on paper, and you, you can kind of sometimes you can look at a guy coming in the locker room and be like, there ain't no way this dude's about to take my spot. Oh, man. You know, I, I've, I've, you know, football's been a part of my life for so long, man. And, you know, I learned so much 
you know, from playing the game. I learned so much, you know, from some of the great coaches I've had a chance to, you know, play on the guys like Buddy and Bud and Rick Sherman, man. I'm, you know, I can look at a guy walk and tell you whether he's a player or not, man. Like when I seen B coming in with, with the pigeon toes, man, I was like, oh, he can play right there. You don't want to get up under them pads right there. It ain't going to be nothing nice. I think my shoes are too tight, man. That's what happened, man. You know, just coming in. I only had a couple pairs of shoes. It's like you had the one suit. And so, you know, that, that's, that's, that's where they came from, man. He did have the swagger. Like I said, that was our man in the middle. He always called our signal. Sometimes, uh, we had, he played like we didn't get the signal until we get in the meeting room the next day. And actually, I always got the flag for it. And, you know, the linebackers, you guys had a different kind of group, man. Y'all, y'all basically played, y'all coached ourselves. You know, yeah, I, I was talking to B, you know, Victor really, that was like, it was like, it was, there was Bud who was coaching us as defensive back. Well, we, man, we hated that. Cause he was all, he always had the red pen when he was awake, you know, God rest his soul. But, uh, you know, when he fell asleep, you know, we let the tape roll, especially when I got beat on the play, you know, I didn't want everybody to see it again. So as far as the linebackers, you guys always sat in the back, you know, and then the D lineman with, with Clyde back there throwing the races at the chalkboard and Byron over there, you know, Talking to Vic Riley like he was just one of the hard boys. <laughs> I'm like, man, who's running the show around here? But, but the linebackers, y'all had your own thing, y'all ran your own show. Uh, it, it was, I guess, that team, man, it was, it was comical, but we had a, we had a tight group, and we knew every time on Sundays that, you know, another guy who was lined up with you, uh, had your back 100%. There was no question that you had to worry about another guy, you know, slacking on the play. The challenge, man. We challenge each other, man. Everybody challenges each other, man. And, you know, just fun, just fun, uh, just, just, just fun, man. Just out there challenging each other and just working towards one coming goal, man. That was to be the best, man. Well, I, I think, you know, you know, people always talk about competing. Coaches talk about competing. Um, I believe that there's healthy competition and there's unhealthy competition. And I think on our defense, you know, we have very, very healthy competition. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if, if Reggie had four sacks in the game, you know, Clyde won the five. You know, if Jerome had, you know, um, two fourth fumbles, you know, B won the two. You know, if EA had two interceptions, you know, Hop won the two. Um, that's, that's, that's healthy. Yeah. You know, healthy competition. And, and not in a way that, you know, if a guy had a good game, that someone had attitude because they had a good game and the other one didn't. The objective was to win. But when you can create healthy competition where we push each other to be better, you know, and that's, that's, that only makes the team that much better. Competition was at the, it, like I said, it was always heated. Even in practice, it was, it was like a game as far as defense with us. Uh, you know, we used to go against Randall and she didn't like going against us. So we used to knock his balls down, pick his balls <laughs> off. You know, Randall used to get mad about that, but we was always trying to get better and, uh, just, just being on that defense and, you know, best, being special teams, you know, I have a lot of guys in front of me. Um, but I was just sitting back watching, learning from EA, uh, talking to Ben Smith, who was injured, uh, before I even got there, who was, you know, one of the, one of the greatest, corner, you know, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. They had the best, you know, corner tandem, uh, when you guys were playing EA and, uh, you know, Ben Smith, Wes Hopkins, and Andre Waters playing the safety position. Uh, some of the guys that I can look at, just walking through the locker room just to see they, where they used to handle themselves, uh, was all good. So, you know, we got the music in the background. We're gonna, Take a little brief break here for about a good minute. We're live here on the Voice America Sports Network here at Barcelona's in Scottsdale. I'm your host, Mark McMillan, with my man in the middle, P.D., and our girl on lock. Joe Sky, live on the scene. Got my man in the house, Seth Joyner, also joining us here on the network.
Hard Hit Radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard Hit Radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. You're listening to Hard Hitting Radio with Mark McMillan and Byron Evans. To get your voice in on the discussion, call right now, toll free to 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can get to Mark by email. Drop an email to Mark at MarkMcMillanSports.com. Now, back to Hard Hitting Radio. We're back for another segment. On the Hard Hitting Radio on the Voice of America Sports Network. I'm your host of the show, Mark McMillan, along with my man, always in the middle, B&E. Got a girl in the studio on, well, not in the studio, here in Barcelona. Barcelona, Scott Stiles, and Joe Sky, live on the scene. And we got a man in the house, Seth Joyner, representing for us, came on out showing his support. We definitely appreciate him coming out here today. I know he can probably be on the golf course because he loves golf. Oh, I'm going. <laughs> he he loves he love some golf, so uh, we definitely appreciate him coming out here and showing his support for our show, uh, for all the people that, you know, he's touched and uh, some of the things that he's got going on. I know you have a foundation that you have going on there. Um, if you want to let people know where they can get in contact with you as far as your foundation as well. Well, you can, our foundation is called the Joanna Walker Foundation. Um, we do life skills for um, underprivileged teams. Um, our flagship program this year is the financial literacy program that we run out of um, South Mountain Community College. Um, and um, you know, for more information, you go to um, joinawalkerfoundation.org. And um, you know, we, we run a couple of different fundraisers as well. We have the Super Bowl every year, Celebrity Par and um, Poker Golf, or Dolphin, Dolphin Poker Tournament. You know, you can get some, get some more information on that at um, parandpoker.com. And poker. South Mountain, that's right in the house. Yeah? <laughs> South Mountain. Community College. Absolutely. Right, right in the house. I need to talk to you, man. That's right. You know, I'm trying, you know, it's amazing sometimes, man, because, you know, my passion to do this, I really understand how important it is to give young people, you know, some kind of financial foundation. You know, I, I think the economic situation that we're in is, is due to, in part, um, some ignorance. You know, and some greed. You know, but you can do away with with greed to a certain extent. You know, when you educate people. You know, and I think that you know to give these young kids, you know, the push to educate themselves, um, not only financially but also um, um, intellectually, um, is really the key. Um, but it's amazing, dude, because you know we we've gone down to South Mountain High School, down in. Cesar Chavez, you know, trying to, right. trying to, trying to draw these kids in. That's right. And, you know, it, it's just difficult. It, it's a free program. You know, all the kids gotta do is come and take it. Uh-huh. You know? And, um, at times we haven't even been able to get the principles to buy in if you can believe that. And this is something, you know, we're not selling them anything. They don't have to come out of their pocket with anything. You know, we just feel that this is an area that we need to address and we pull together the resources and the materials, you know, to make it possible. And, you know, it, it's been quite an undertaking. You know, to try to get that message out there, but you know, I'm, I'm 
I'm coming down to South Mountain, man. I'm, I'm taking B&E and E over to South Mountain <laughs> hey, High School. Hey, you take I'm B&E already and there. You, I'm if already you go there. down to South Mountain, you know B B's a legend down there. Yeah, well, right. well see, South. that that was my first mistake going in going in B's neighborhood without telling them I was down. <laughs> there it is. There it is. There it is. That's my man, Chef Joyner, uh, former Eagle. Like I said, we we relate to ourselves to other teams, but you know we always go back to a lot of people recognize us from the Eagles. Um, you know, which is great for the fans, great for the city. Um, you know, we got a lot of people back in Philly who's also listening to the show. People down at the link getting ready for the draft and see who the Eagles are going to pick. Uh, should be pretty interesting. We always go around every year. You know, Donald McNabb, a lot of people say he can't do it. He can do it. He's proven every year that he can make it happen. If you give this guy a weapon that he can throw to, <laughs> you can go to the Super Bowl. You know what? In Donald's time in Philadelphia, man, he's had two weapons. And, and one of them he's only had for one year. The other one, you know, he's had it for a while, but you can't win with one weapon, you know. And then they turn around this year and you see some of the players that they let go. I'm just wondering to myself. And I, I guess I, I know it's y'all's show, but let me throw a question out. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Hit the radio. What, do what you do. What do you guys think, you know, that the Eagles are going to look like this year? You let a guy like Brian Dawkins get away. You know, you're emotional leader on your team. Um, and some of the players that, that have exited, you know, Philadelphia. What in the world, is, how do you guys see them? You know, what are they looking for in this draft, and what is it, are the 2009 Philadelphia Eagles going to look like? Like I said, it's going to be tough when you lose your emotional leader. We, like I said, we've been there. We've touched on that with, you know, departures with Reggie White, right. um, you know, with the tragic loss of Jerome Brown. Um, just had the chance to meet him for a brief stint in training camp. But you guys, seeing what kind of impact it had on our team uh, that year and with the loss of, of, of b Doff, that's somebody you just can't replace that as far as being in the locker room and, and being on the field and knowing what he's going to bring to you guys for 60 minutes. You can't replace that. And and see him get picked up you know, by another team that you could have actually you could have kept this guy. He wanted to play there. He would have accepted the deal to be there and finish his career out in Philadelphia, it's going to be difficult. So it's going to be difficult to see which direction that the Eagles go in. Will they, will they draft a running back to help out? Because they also lost, you know, the, the tailback. Uh, will, they, will they try to get another help for, you know, for young Jackson at the other receiver position? Uh, they solidified the tackle position, so they're protecting his backside. Are they protecting it for what? Are they giving him time to throw to who? I think, I think more so now just being more of an offensive, offensive kind of thing. Losing the identity on the defense, man, with Brian Dawkins, man. They, they're going to have to get identity. Somebody, man, with some, with some really hard, man, with some, you know, with some enthusiasm, with some dog, man, <laughs> on defense to, to try to, to try to, to try to get that, that, that image back that he brought, man. And you can't replace a guy like that, the heart and soul of the defense, man. But what you can do, man, is you can, you know, you can kind of take it off the defense a little bit and put more onus on the offense. Take it off the defense a little bit, and I think that's what maybe that's what they're trying to do. This, well, this but year, you know what? My, my thing, as far as that's concerned, be is that you know they tried to do too much on the offensive side right. anyway, right. with with a lot less. Right. You know, it took Andy Reid, you know, to understand. It took him to the end of the season to just get it that you know what you got to run the ball right. a little bit, right. you know, <laughs> to keep teams honest. I mean, you want Donovan to be successful. But you can't keep putting him in these formations that says pass before he even gets the ball in his hand. You know, you can't throw the ball 40 plus times a game and, and think that, you know, any quarterback in this game is going to be successful over a 16 game schedule. You know, now I know that you like to put the ball in the air and you want to create big plays, but 
you know, Brian Westbrook is a bad boy, but right, you just right. know that he's not going to make it through a full season. Right. He's just not going to. You know, and then with them losing Pharrell Buckhalter, Buck yeah. um, what are they going to do? You know, what are they going to do? I mean, to me, a guy like Beanie Wells, I mean, I, I, if I'm if I'm in that war room this morning, I'm trying to figure out ways how I can get him, you know, because he's a good short yardage back, you know, goes to the combine, runs a 4-5, you know, you, you look at the Giants, you know, they got the Bruiser, and then they got, you know, um, Earth, Wind, and Fire, like they like to call it, right. you know. It's just a different day and age. You know, one guy is not going to touch the ball 30 times a game. you got to have that guy that comes in and wears the defense down, and then you bring another guy in for a change of pace. You know, so, so they've, they've got to do something as far as that's concerned. Donovan McNabb can never be, you know, as successful as he could be until they get that addressed. And for that reason, I like to mirror him to Randall. Because, you know, I mean, I know I was highly critical around there, you know, back, back in the day. Just a but, little bit. But when I, yeah, just a little bit. But, <laughs> but when I look back at Randall's career, okay, as good an athlete as he was, as good a passer of the football as he was, as he was, if you give him a running game, I mean, how much more dangerous could he possibly be? And I see that happening all over again, you know, with Don McNabb. You know, great talent, great ability, you know, I mean, he, he, he always has a stretch in the game where you where just make you scratch your, scratch your head like, man, what in the world is he thinking about when you see that ball? <laughs> right. You know? But other than that, you know, the similarities are eerie, man, because, you know, he's phenomenal, can throw the ball, got a great arm, every throw he can make, just like Randall, no running game, and they try to throw the ball every darn down. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, you, you're setting him up to fail before before he even has a chance to succeed, and then, you know, the prognosticators want to sit back and say, well, you know, they need to, you know, put Kevin Cobb in. Well, you've seen what happened when they put Kevin Cobb in. That was yeah. corn on the cob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sweet corn at that. You know, nobody trying to get no Kevin Cobb. And, you, and Philly, he, you know, that, that could have ruined him real quick. Uh, if you don't perform in Philadelphia as far as, like I said, the quarterback position, Donovan's lasted so many years in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. going through all the criticism, uh, going through all the drama with different teammates, um, you know, not getting the help that he's deserved. As far as a mental standpoint, he's a, he's strong mentally as he is physically. And for, you know, him not to get the help that he's been asking for since he's gotten it set up here, you know, like I said, it makes you want to scratch your head. And when they go out and get the disgruntled PO, he has a weapon that he's consistently throwing to, and then they make it to the Super Bowl. Then T.O.'s going and Philadelphia's back. You know, they're in the playoffs, but if you want to win championships, like you were saying in Denver, Give your guy all the opportunities and the weapon to be successful. They got really cute because they have lightning fast, putting the yeah, fast ready. He was shooting no bullets though. Well, I don't know what he was doing, man. He's trying to guns in a holster and what what is he doing there? Height, but it's all height though, man. You know, once once those guys get the height, man, it's hard to break the height, man. You know, guys coming in under the radar, working hard, man. Freddie Mitchell came out with a whole lot of hype, man. Just like the quarterback, man, in the second round when they they took the quarterback, man. Had they gotten a wide receiver or somebody that could actually help help McNabb, man, instead of just try to put more pressure on him and things like that. Listening to the wrong people, man, that wasn't a good choice, man. Well, and I think the Eagles have got to be careful, you know, because Donovan could wind up leaving there and going somewhere and being in the right situation and then they look back and say wow we made a mistake and the other thing that the, that the Eagles have to you know be cognizant of is the fact that the minute that they insert Kevin Cobb as a starting quarterback 
they just sent a message to the Philadelphia fans that we are rebuilding. <laughs> Get ready. Get ready for some down season, you know, because we are about to rebuild. Because it's going to take him. He's going to have to get out there and play two, three years and see all the blitzes and see all the disguises and see all the, all the different defenses before he's ready to play. And like I said, it's a tough city to play in. Mm-hmm. And if he's not stepping up his game, uh, the, the game play. will step on him. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> So hopefully, uh, you know, if Philadelphia, if you're out there, if you're listening, if you're on the clock, Andy Reid, if you got your BlackBerry, if you see, see me on Facebook, we're live here in Barcelona in Scottsdale. We're talking about getting McNabb. That's your, that's his boy. You know, him and Andy Reid, but you would think that some yeah. kind of they have a conversation be like, yo, Andy, can, can you get, can you give your boy some help? Well, well, and he's a cherry, he's a cherry thing, and then he a couple years ago, their chemistry and their balance was put off during the uh, TA days. It's not going to even, B.O. day. That's what I'm <laughs> B.O. He's bad odor. And uh, they, they started to rebuild that, obviously, last year. Um, Philadelphia was hopeful to, to take, take it to the Super Bowl and, and win. And uh, it didn't happen. I think that this is their opportunity to have the money. They're in the right place to make some good picks and get, and, and get that team back on the field. Cinder, it's the Cinderella story, the original Cinderella story. We need that ring. But you know one thing about the Eagles, man. They always give you their best, man. It's hard. Uh, just, just undescribable heart, man. They, they always give you the best, and you know the guys are going to always play, man, from 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 the beginning until the end, man. So hopefully they're on the clock. It's going to be an exciting day. Everybody's on the clock today. You know, as far as the GM, your phone is going off. Uh, people are calling. You're trying to make deals. You're trying to make trades. Uh, we already discussed about Matthew Stafford going to the Detroit Lions. He changed their, I guess they changed their logo. They said the Lions got teeth now. I don't know if that's going to make them meaner as far as on the field, or is it going to make help. them meaner looking on the website? But they're going to need, they're going to need more than teeth. teeth. Huh? They, yeah, the lion got teeth. Maybe that's why they was losing. The lion didn't have no teeth. He looked like the uh, cowardly <laughs> lion from the Wizard of Oz. There you go. <laughs> they finally got a real. It's like, got it's, hurt. you know though. You know what though? It's like the Cardinals, man. When I first when I first signed with the Cardinals, you know, he just like looked like. On the helmet, look like that jolly old <laughs> cardinal, you know. <laughs> and then the only thing that they've done to that to that logo is they slammed the eye to make it look mean. Okay. The cardinal, you did you did lace, lace it up with the cardinal. Well, it worked for him this year, so maybe Keith on the lines will be will be hopeful for them. I guess so. He better be he better be salivating. <laughs> Have some flowers coming out of the side of his mouth. Uh, not false teeth, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why. He didn't, he didn't have no teeth back in the day. You know, they had some good players back in Detroit. You know, first player comes to your mind is Barry Sanders. And, you know, he really couldn't get it done by himself. Herman Moore was also out there that, that did good with him as a wide receiver position. Um, like I said, Detroit Lions, they got a, they got a lot to rebuild around. And, and the staff is, you know, going with the first pick. Um, you know, we know Detroit is one of the hardest hit cities as far as financial. And then they pay him all this money. And you know, Detroit is a tough city, so you know there's going to be some people out there looking at him like, can you give us a loan with this stimulus or with all this signing bonus you got? And he better get it right. Just don't go in the neighborhood, the wrong neighborhood either. It's tough for him, man. I tell you, it's tough, 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 man. But, you know, that's what football is all about, man. You know, you, you, you put the best players out there, man, and you just see what comes about it, man. And hopefully the Detroit Lions, man, they, Martin Mayhew, Martin Mayhew is back in there now. So hopefully, it's, right. you know, after all all that Matt Millen had messed up, you know, Matt had really messed it up. I, Matt, from that point of view, I, I can say something about Matt as far as in the front office. No, he tore it up. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Tore it down. But 
That was bad. That yeah. was bad. That was bad. I, I, that was bad. I know Matt was a, when he was an announcer, he was great in the booth. You know, he was a good player, but as far as management, it's a difference. Well, but that's that's his opinion in the booth is what got him the job as GM. So maybe we can start getting more uh, insight, giving a better opinion. Maybe we can get a GM. No, job. he messed it up for so. everybody. No, you, you, you forget that that road to GM shit, that door is closed. So we got a shot now. What really made it, what really made it bad was, you know, how long they left him as ineffective as he was in that position. You know, there's nothing wrong. You know, demoting the VP or something. You know, but you can't leave in a GM making these piece of decisions year after year after year. You know, I, after a while, I was like, man, he must, he must have, you know, some pictures of Mr. Ford or something to be keeping his job. Or Mr. Ford's white. Um, <laughs> hard hitting radio. I'm going to tell you like it is. We already know, you know, sometimes guys get certain deals. You're like, man, how is he still here? He must have got some pictures of somebody's wife, somebody's husband, somebody's kids. Yeah. When he stayed up in that front office, like you said, he, for a long time, making a lot of bad decisions. You know, he went through, I think, you know, two, three, four head coaches, you know. <laughs> I mean, I was like, sure, you got to come to the conclusion if you had this, this many different coaches, it's not the coach. It might be GM that's hiring the coach. Matt Miller, he was, like I said, he had a golden shield. He was untouchable. Hmm. He was untouchable. When he was there, he was untouchable until, I guess, they got to a point where he was like, man, you, Matt, you got to go. And the most astonishing thing is that he loses his job, you know, as the GM. And he gets his old job right back in the booth again. It's like, why? How do you do that? Why? Matt Miller. And a lot, you know, a lot of people are Matt Miller in real, you know, uproar about that because they're like, you know, he made bad decisions. But like I said, as an announcer, uh, when you hear him announce the game, he actually does a really good job announcing the game, but a very bad job as far as orchestrating the team and getting the team together. So hopefully this year with the first pick of Matthew Stafford, they will learn from the terrible mistakes that they made. Like you said, they burn, they're going to have to bite the bullet. Uh, hopefully he can learn from Dante Culpepper, who has a year left on his contract. He can learn a little bit, see what, see how how the game speed has changed from college to the professional level. Uh, but he's really not going to be able to learn until he actually get on the field. So you know, for the whole year, he's going to sit back and hold the clipboard and, and make a whole lot of money. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going. No, he's not going to sit back. Not being paid that kind of money. Something has to happen now. They going to throw him in the fire. Dante, the red the red jersey is off you. I don't know, Dante. Well, Don, I don't think Dante will mind anyway. He can sit back and get eat, eat more. Well, Hold the clipboard. I mean, if he, if, you know, if you're competitive, the last thing you want to do is, you know, sit over there and watch somebody else play if you feel like you're you're the man for the job. Um, yeah, I guess I, I think I think the wise thing for them to do, you know, I mean, I, I watch I watch um, Matt Stafford play, you know, extensively this year. When given protection in the pocket, you know, he's very calm, cool, collected, can make all the throws. Um, he's a very good, very good quarterback. But I think, you know, when you bring pressure in the running game, you know, isn't, and, you know, No. Sean got hurt, you know, for a stretch there and he had a couple of games that weren't so stellar. And when you bring pressure, like he's going to get in the NFL, you know, he's going to have to learn how to move his feet and move the pocket. And I didn't really see much of that. And, 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 some of these offenses in college, college nowadays, I think, really hurt quarterbacks. Right. You know, because not very many quarterbacks operate under the center anymore. You know, on the college level, everyone's in the gun, everyone's in the shotgun. You know, and um, you know he spent a lot of time in the shotgun. So, what does his footwork going to look like um, when the when the run to pass ratio? You know, you would like it to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 50-50. 
you know, in college, they just put it in the air and, you know, and all their runs came out of, you know, came out of shotgun. But, you know, what is his footwork going to be like? How much time is it going to take him, you know, to, to make those kind of small adjustments that no one, no one, you know, really sees? Um, so I think, you know, he'll get some playing time, but I think there'll come a point in time where the mindset will be, well, we don't want to ruin him. Right. So, you know, let's put Dante in there, let Dante get beat up for another year. <laughs> let him let him learn, you know, by watching for a year. Let's try to improve upon, you know, some of these skills, some of these unseen skills, um, and getting ready getting ready for the next year. So that's Matthew Stafford we're discussing about if he's gonna get a chance to play this year, if he's not gonna get a chance, either way it goes, his pocket's gonna be heavy, so he's gonna be riding to the game in a nice ride. You know, he's going to have confidence that he can lead this team in the right direction. Hopefully he goes in with a strong mind. Uh, like Seth hit on earlier, you know, some of the footwork that he has as far as being the shotgun, uh, how would that affect him as far as being a pro? Everybody knows, you know, Mark Sanchez coming from USC as a pro-style offense. I think that's why a lot of people are more high on him uh, rather than Stafford because of the offense that he came from. Uh, you can say the Pac-10 defense is down, but, you know, the guy has good footwork. He has a strong arm. He, he knows how to win, and he's a winner, you know, he's a proven winner when he steps inside the huddle. So uh, we'll see, you know, how it all plays out, uh, you know, during the draft, which is coming up here in a few minutes. Uh, so it's going to be exciting. You know, some of the guys, I'm sure they're all nervous right now in the, in the war room, except Stafford, he's sitting at Ethan. He's probably going to the bank right now. But Sanchez is, those, Sanchez is playing with guys, man, who are all, almost professionals. The USC, the offensive line, man, that they have, man, is, 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 is none like that, the offensive line. I think, Seth, you made a good point about it, um, Stafford's footwork, but I think more so than that, man, is how how is he able to get up off the ground time after time after time after time? And I think that's going to play a point in it, man, whether it was worth the money or not. So it's going to be exciting, like I said. Well, I, I think that, you know, when you pick a guy number one, you have to look into all those things. You, you have to, you know, I'm not one to really believe, man. I, and, you know, call me old school, call me, you know, whatever you like. You know, I believe if you take a guy with the number one pick and he's a quarterback, then what you're saying is that he has all the tools, all the intangibles to play right now, okay? If he's a guy that's got to sit over on the sideline and hold a clipboard for a year or two, then you, you wasted, you know, two years. You're, you're, you're throwing money away, you know, because if he doesn't have the mental fortitude to go out and play the game and learn on the run, and get beat up, but still maintain his confidence. You know, if he can't do that then, how is that going to affect him long term? You know, you know, buddy, buddy used to do something all the time. You know, that, that used to just spit me out. You know, guys who he felt like he could rattle, he would mess with him all the time just to see if he could rattle. You know, and when he figured out that you know what, by him doing that to you, you know, it didn't phase you. You know. Then he knew he had a battle-tested war that, you know, in the heat of the moment, he didn't have to worry about you. He figured that he could mess with you just day to day, that in the heat of the moment, that you would collapse, you know, and be a, 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 a weak link. I think I got a little bit of that from Bud. Well, he was, he was, he absolutely. didn't call me by my name for two years. But absolutely. I was and, and 29. It's a good way, once the, once the decision has been made, the commitment has been made, it's a good way to evaluate a guy to find out, or if you bring in a guy to find out, you know, what he's really made of. See, but when you're talking about a first-round pick, that same type of thing has to happen, you know. Does he have the mental fortitude to, to go 0-16 oh, again <laughs> and get beat up again, but yet come back next year and still have the confidence to step on that field, have the respect of, you know, all the other players in the huddle, 
call those plays with confidence, and believe that he can still get it done. And if he can't do that, in your mind, through all the tests, all the litmus tests and all that stuff that they run, if he's not the guy that you feel like he can do that, then that doesn't warrant you picking him with the first pick overall. Like I say, you can look at it from a GM standpoint. It's like, we don't want to ruin this guy. We don't want to throw him out there earlier. Then we're talking about the, as far as being intelligent. Uh, we hit on Byron Anderson, who's actually our quarterback on the defensive side of the, bit, uh, side of the ball. If he selected first pick, he's playing opening day. Absolutely. And like you say, if you're first pick, then you should be out there on opening how day. Many, how many games will it be? He, 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 he got about five games. He got a couple of plays here, a couple of plays there, and after a while, buddy, like, get your ass in there. You know? But that's, I mean, to me, you know, I mean, what was he? Second or third? Third? No, no fourth round. Fourth round. But I that's mean, what players do, though. But, <laughs> I mean, but that's how, you know, yeah. to me, you know, to me, that's how you do it. You right. know, I mean, I just got thrown in the fire. You know, out, out there, you know, Rah Ron and Hooten and Howling and Ron was like, hey, man, you're a rookie. Shut up. You don't say nothing in the total all year long. You just play. You know, but I mean, you go through the fire. I think that's one of the things that really made us. You know, such a great defense was those, those, those lean years. You know, those first two, two and a half years, we didn't, nobody know what the heck they were doing. You know, and we kind of learned and took our lumps along the way, but man, when we figured it out, my goodness. That's right. You know, and you know, you, you, a diamond is made by pressure, you know, uh, by pressure and fire, man. Wow. You you can't, you can't, you can't, you know, bring a guy, you know, Put, put a guy out there and think, you know, he's going to turn into something special, you know, if he can't withstand the pressure and the heat, you know. That's just, that's the process, man. That's just the process. And, and I think we, we became a good defense because we went through, you know, the pressure, the heat, the fire, and all that stuff. And it brought out the best in all of it, you know. And these young guys today, it's just a situation where, you know, they don't want you to mess with them. They don't want you to say nothing to them. They don't want you to put any kind of, let's not put them under any pressure. Well, how do you ever know, if you don't put him in, under pressure, when he's actually in a pressure situation, how do you know how he's going to act and react? Correct. You know? So you've got to put these guys, you know, in those situations. If I was ever a head coach, you know, that would be my formula. Let me find out what you made of, you know, and so, so I know that I can trust you because player coaches can actually make a break. You know, they right. can put you, you know, I was fortunate enough to have two coaches that believed in me enough to put me in position to make plays. Right. Because that could have been somebody else. If they said, you know, okay, Nickel, let's put this guy in here, or, or let's put this guy in here, let's send this guy. You know, they put me in position to make plays. You know, why? Because they trusted that I would make those plays. Now, I'm not saying I made all the plays and did everything right, but if you can't trust, as a coach, if you can't trust a player, then you're not going to put him in position to make plays. So that means you got to know that player. You got to feel good about that player. When it's when it's fourth and one, and the game is on the line, and you call that player's number because that scheme, that defense has been schemed for that guy to come free. In your mind, you're saying he'll get there. Right. If you doubt it for one second, then you, then, then you can't call that play. And if you can't trust that player, then you know he's not going to be a big time player for you. They have to be able to see something in you, man. See something absolutely. All always got to be able to see something in you. So that's like I said, that's the insight that we have as far as you know being former players. Uh, knowing the game inside and out and being with, you know, two guys, you know, I grew up watching. Not say grew up, I'm not that much younger than these guys, but, uh, seeing the way they approach the game on a, on a daily basis as far as the, in the locker room, the way you guys study the game and, and just seeing some of the guys, uh, the way they play the game now, uh, they're doing more studying in the clubs and, and worrying about, you know, what kind of rims they got on their car and, and, and how big their house is and, and, you know, sometimes, you know, that's why, some, a lot of times we like watching the game because some of the stuff that you see, you're like, what is he, is he seriously doing that? 
Like, so, what, yeah, what is he? What is he doing? Like we talked about Ocho. Come on, man. If we had anybody in our locker room that was trying to make himself better or more important in the team, that wasn't gonna happen. Well, you know the, the, the dynamics of the team. You know, be you know both y'all can attest, man. You know. When we played the game, you had to do something to make some money. Right. You know, <laughs> you, you didn't just get it just because it was in the cap. The cap was so big, you know, we had to you, you had to allocate a certain amount of it. You know, you didn't get a contract, a halfway decent contract, unless you did something on the field. You know, I, it's amazing, man, because I was looking some stats. The guy, you know, that was making about $5 million a year. <laughs> guy had like 80 tackles a linebacker. He had like 80 tackles, one forced fumble, and one interception, <laughs> all in, in 16 games. Making $5 million a year. Wow. I'm like, yeah, that guy couldn't, he wouldn't even gotten on, gotten on the field with those kind of stats, you right. know? But that's just the dynamic of it. You know, those guys, they come in, they play, you know, halfway decent. You know, the, the organization looks at them as a guy that, they have to have, so they go ahead and they pay him. And then once they pay him, he sets it down, puts it on cruise control because he sets the life now. You know, so what is it that drives him? And that's my 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 reservations and my uh, and how I feel about the draft and these young players coming in. You know, Matthew Stafford has never played it down in the NFL. Right. In my mind, he has not earned the right to be guaranteed forty-one point seven million dollars. Right. You know, that's not right. You know, you got guys that have been in the game for years that have proven year in and year out that they can get it done. They'll never see that kind of money. Never see that kind of money. You know, so to me, the whole system is backwards. You know, you put put these young guys that are coming out today on a salary cap scale and make these guys earn their way. When they show that they that they're willing to do what's necessary, when they're when they're willing to pay the price, then you you, you give them the the um, the privilege. To be able to, to make that kind of money in this game, I, I, I think I need to go into different professions. I'm, 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 I'm agent. That's it. Anybody need an agent? Hard hit radio. I'm there available. You go. There you go. That's it, my man. B. You want to be an agent? Steph wants to be a coach. I don't want to be no coach, man. I will GM. I don't want to be no GM. Counselor, I mean, yeah. coach, slash uh, counselor. Well, coach, co- coach. From the standpoint, you know, I'm 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 in the process now of setting up something where I can work with young players. High school, college, and, and, and the young pros, they want to just work on the technical aspects of the game. You know, I know I got a lot of football wisdom, a lot of football knowledge in me, and I still love the game. You know, if this old body would let me play, <laughs> I would see up this year coming up, dude, without, w- without a doubt. You I know, get, I get the deal. I'm the agent. <laughs> give me a deal. I'm going back. Just, got, tell, just tell them I can give them first and second down. I don't know it. about third. 31 million. <laughs> Guaranteed. You know, but I mean, you know. That's what I like to do. I like to talk to young guys about the game and give them that information. So, like I said, I'm setting up something to actually do that now, you know, here in Arizona. But, you know, I don't have the wherewithal, man. You you know, it's like, man, we, we going in the morning at 7 o'clock sometimes, you know, by the time you get done with practice, working out, training and everything, you know, you might not get home at 7 o'clock at night, you know. It, it takes a huge commitment to be a coach. And I love the game, but I don't love it that much, you know. But I, but I certainly – you know, want to share, you know, what I've been blessed with, my gift as far as the game is concerned with, with young kids. If I can help them, give them the tools to help them be better players, whether they go on to become professionals or not, if they can enjoy the game and be better at the game because of what I can help them with and what I can teach them with, then, you know, that's what I'd rather do. I'd much rather do that than to be a coach somewhere. That's Tell time. them somebody to get back. That's big time. We're here. Because you know about to start off, that's the first thing I'll say. Yo, you got to be the get back coach. Y'all get back. <laughs> Everybody need to get back, Coach. Uh, 
And speaking of Arizona, we're here live with Seth Joyner. We're doing a show here live from Barcelona, Scottsdale. And uh, the show is possible because we've also got one of our sponsors in the house. Dennis is here from Jersey's Bar and Grill. One of the best burgers I've probably ever had in my life. It's absolutely delicious. If you can get down to Chandler, check it out. Uh, it's a small town uh, neighborhood bar, and he prides himself on that. And it was a lot of fun when we went in there. We're going to be working with Dennis this year, so we're looking forward to that as well. Um, also, we, we all were down at Fat Daddy's yesterday evening and did a live show from there as well. And very, very, um, it is a full house and a lot of people eating. Tell me you got the cornbread and the collagen. I, I, ha I had cornbread. <laughs> I didn't go that far, but they're, they're, they're breaking me in slowly. So um, I just want to thank Barcelona Scottsdale as well. For everybody that's here, come back tonight for the aftermath. By 9 o'clock, there's no line, no cover. And make sure everybody's out there eating and drinking, having a good time. And just again, wanted to thank uh, Jersey Bar and Grill and uh, Seth Jordan for being here. What an honor and a privilege. You have some big fans out in the audience right now. So, uh, I'm ear yeah, to ear smiles right now. Ear to ear smiles. It's an honor to be in the presence of Seth Joyner. Like yeah, that. We definitely I'm, appreciate I'm, you coming I'm, out. I'm going to send an invitation, man. From now on, anytime you guys want me, need me, just let me know I'm here. Man. We, we need you, man. <laughs> That's it. All right. <laughs> it's all good. All right. Oh, there you hear it. You, you heard it on know, the network now. I know I get a little long-winded sometimes, man. Hey, that's all know, right. Especially when I'm talking about football. Oh, that's that, all right. That flame never dies. You know, that old saying <laughs> that the um, the mind is willing but the body ain't able no more <laughs> be. That's good. That's know, all good. It's always like that. Well, and, and here at Hard Hitting Radio, we want to remind everybody that's listening, again, that part of the show is possible because of Green Fans, the movie. They're also filming here live as well. So uh, uh, Lewis will be getting some footage from us. Also, onecrazyfan.com. If uh, you have a computer, which I bet everybody in here does, check them out. Awesome website. They were helping in sponsoring us as well. So, onecrazyfan.com. Also, greenfansthemovie.com. And uh, we'll be talking to you later. And speaking of, you were talking about green fans. You say well, you're going to be available. We actually got a chance to be in the movie. So, you know, we talked to the guy. He said he wants to get you in the movie as well. So, fill it up with Eagle. Document about the fans as far as the players, so that's something that we would like you to definitely be a part of as well. Uh, Steph Joyner. So we're gonna be keeping you on speed. We now, can't have man. a green fan movie good, without Steph. It's all good. Yeah, we gotta have we gotta have Steph and Byron long, in there. As long as, as long as you give me a, 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 a two to a day and a half notice, I'm all good. They they have it. Two, two, day, two day to a day and a half. Day and a half, two <laughs> days notice. Two and a half. <laughs> So we appreciate everybody coming out here today. Um, like I said, it's going to be an exciting day. A lot of young guys right now getting ready to make a lot of money. we got the music in the background. Rocky. We touched on a lot of stuff. Um, you know, we talked about the Eagles. We talked about the first pick with the Detroit Lions, Cardinals. We talked about the Cardinals. It's very exciting to see what they're going to be doing, uh, see what the Lions can add to their position, you know, as far as their pick with the quarterback. There's a lot of teams on the clock, so we appreciate everybody coming out. Your host, Marcus Miller, with the Hard Hitting Radio on Voice America Sports. Got my man in the middle, B&E. And we got a girl in the house today. Go Skies always live on the scene. Like I said, definitely a pleasure uh, to have Steph Joyner out here. No uh, doubt, no doubt. Former teammate, great friend of ours. Uh, appreciate everything he's done for us. And if you didn't hear the show live, go back on the network. You know, we're here to rebroadcast on Monday. Uh, you know, catch Seth and see what he's doing as far as his website and everything. And, you know, be a part of that and support him. I know a lot of people out there that knows about stuff so he gave you the website so go on there and check it out and be a part of what he's got going also.
That's another show. Thanks again for joining Mark McMillan and Byron Evans for Hard Hitting Radio. Come back and we'll do it again next Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Put them up, tighten up. We some hard hitters. Walk back, get it. Come in, Byron Evans. We get it for me. We get it for everybody. Ain't nobody leaving. Get it for the finish. We're bringing the curtain. Get it for the finish. 